1: Well, Kevin, we just watched Laura, the 18th episode of Season 7 of Magnum P.I., an episode which aired February 25th, 1987.
2: And we are actually recording this uh, on the 107th anniversary of the birth of Mr. Francis Albert Sinatra. And why is that relevant in terms of this podcast? Well... Mr.
1: Kevin Greenley, the co-host, co-producer, c- c- co-everything, my love of my life, uh, is a huge Frank Sinatra fan. No other reason. <laughs> no, uh, Sinatra guest starred in this episode of Magnum, and it was one of his last major acting appearances, as I understand it. He, of course, passed
2: away uh, in 1998.
1: I think I read that he was offered a number of scripts by the creators of the show, by the producers, and he picked he picked Laura. He thought it was the best one, and having just watched this, I can say, I think he picked correctly. I think he had a good sense. This is a really good episode, guys!
2: <laughs> you unironically loved the episode. Oh,
1: I loved it. I thought it was terrific. It was really tense and disturbing and... Uh, and it's kind of interesting. I think you just said something as we were kind of setting up for tonight, and I'll steal it. You know, people think of Magnum P.I. as very chill show, very, like, nice vibes. You know, uh, Selick putting out himbo vibes. You know, he's this kind of doofy guy, very handsome, cool mustache, hangs out in a rich guy's house in Hawaii and has a dream life. So you kind of think, oh, man, it's just all chillaxed. We're all having fun here. But you know, as as Kevin pointed out, they they cranked out some pretty intense episode, and, and and I think this was one. Of, I mean, this is I mean, to mem- for to my memory, I have not seen a, every Magnum PI episode. What? No, I'm sorry. Our our, our marriage is built what? on that lie. <laughs> so sorry you're finding what? out this way.
2: <laughs> what are you even doing with your life? <laughs>
1: for, for, uh, pretending to be a Magnum PI super fan, I guess.
2: <laughs> now, you have seen every episode of Kojak.
1: Uh, pulls collar.
2: <laughs> You've definitely seen every episode of Sanford and Son. Uh...
1: <laughs> so la- you are always
2: faking a heart attack.
1: This is one I, I didn't know I was cribbing that from from Red Fox. Yeah. No, that, so my joke was that you're a secret Heart to Heart fan, and your joke is that I lied to you about being a fan of all your favorite shows.
2: <laughs> yes, you you constructed. Uh, a fake identity in order to uh, lure me into your matrimonial trap.
1: Oh, my God. If I had a dime for every time a guy said that to me.
2: <laughs> you're, you're a schemer.
1: I'm a schemer. It's true.
2: it's true. I was an innocent dupe in the FA. I was just strolling along, minding my own business.
1: You could say that about anything you're involved with.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm always minding my own business. You can say that about you're anything. Just, you're just
1: a dupe. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You saw an easy mark. (laughs) I'll get this character to fall in love with me. Make an honest woman out of me. (sighs) You were a con woman down by the the docks. (laughs) Running your shell games.
1: The docks of Indianapolis.
2: (laughs) Doing your three card money. Slipping sailors mickeys.
1: It's a living. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I'd rather be, I mean, it seems much easier to be a a, sort of a gentleman's private detective who gets to stay in his house and hang out with his butler. (laughs) Now, that's the life. In Hawaii? Damn.
2: Yeah, the premise of uh, Magnum P.I. is Magnum uh, is formerly involved with uh, naval intelligence. He leaves the military, become a private detective. He's not super successful at it. But he solves a case for a famous writer named Robin Masters, who's never actually seen on the show. Robin Masters has a huge estate in Hawaii. He then makes a deal with Magnum, provides security for my estate, and I'll let you live there, rent free, and you have the use of my Ferrari.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. Good premise. And then it's about him and his wacky Very friends. Very similar
2: to the deal I offered you.
1: Yeah, obvious. What was that case I saw for you?
2: It was the Morales affair. (laughs) I think it was the
1: case of your missing heart, which it was revealed at the end that I stole.
2: (laughs) I had (laughs) to go in for a heart transplant. (laughs) That was you?
1: It's like that One Tree Hill episode where they accidentally drop a a heart on the floor and a dog eats it. (laughs) That dog was Lanny. Spoiler (laughs) alert. (laughs) I was the person who dropped the heart.
2: I'm binging One Tree Hill, and you're like giving oh, me know. this big plot <laughs> twist.
1: I don't think a lot of our audience, I don't know, the shout out if you're a One Tree Hill fan and you know, tell me that, you, that you're pissed at what I did just there, but I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All the One Tree Hill stands. I was more of an OC gal, so I don't really,
2: I don't even know what you're talking
1: about. Just rambling.
2: <laughs> I, I never watched any of those programs. Uh, yeah, it was. You're just like throwing random words and letters together.
1: But I, I did watch. I was more
2: of a BLT man myself.
1: I did watch Rainbow Tree Heights, so you know.
2: (laughs) I always love Shadow Trail Hills.
1: Yes, uh, uh, the uh, the books I'm looking at are Boston Murders, Chicago Murders. Those aren't funny titles. I can't think of anything now.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's, she's trying to steal material by looking at titles of books.
1: Homicide special.
2: <laughs> and in the process, she's revealing a lot of information about our sick library.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah, Jesus Christ. Hope no one ever zooms in on that while we're on a Zoom call. Yeah, we, we should probably. Well, yeah, thoughts? I know Jesus. Christ. I'm just that's upsetting, Jesus. I'm not even going to get into what that what that is, but yeah, yeah Anya
2: is a journalist and she often appears on Zoom on various news programs. And if people would actually look at the books behind her, which she thinks makes her look smart, you see very very disturbing titles.
1: Official and confidential, the secret life of J. Edgar Hoover. And that's not the worst one, folks.
2: (laughs) Island of vice. Kill the Dutch.
1: Kill the Dutchman.
2: It's funnier my life.
1: (laughs) Bodyguard of lies? Uh, Brutes, beasts, and human fiends.
2: The truth is so precious. The Kevin Greenlee story. (laughs) The truth is so precious it must be protected by a bodyguard of lies. That's what that was.
1: What's
2: that? That's the old saying. That uh, Wasn't that Winston Churchill who said that?
1: That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. What?
2: You're shitting on Winston Churchill? Yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're Neville Chamberlain over here.
1: I'm not Neville. I'm just saying. have been watching too many Sherlock Holmes, uh, Basil Rathbone movies.
2: That's, what well, I that, I think. that's definitely true.
1: That's, that's oh I've
2: <laughs> seen way too many of those. You
1: can't, you can't ignore that, obviously.
2: And that's on your head. X-rated. A gallery of old rogues.
1: Oh, cop, cop,
2: to just, call, just, girl. The Anya Kane story.
1: Just speaking of uncomfortable topics, how does this episode open?
2: I remember, uh, of course, uh, Churchill had his greatest accomplishment oh, by gosh, uh, defeating Hitler during World War II. Uh, one movie that was popular during that general area was the uh, Otto Preminger film, Laura. Oh, incidentally, that happens to be the name of the episode of Magnum P.I. we saw today. Uh, how did that episode open, Anya? <laughs> it's just...
1: That's just embarrassing. We, uh, well, we, we open um, on a neglectful babysitter allowing a little girl to, um, you know, kind of go outside to play with her ball because she won't let her play with her ball inside. And then that's intercut with a guy doing a ridiculous Irish accent at some sort of benefit dinner in some sort of like hall. He's talking about how the Bronx was great because uh, this one guy worked here and, and going on and on and on. And then you're seeing, you know, you're kind of intercutting this little girl playing in the hallway. And this uh, this awards ceremony dinner where um, a woman and her father, who's the man being awarded, who's played by Frank Sinatra, are being sort of faded. They're sitting up front.
2: Yeah, Sinatra is a detective with the uh, New York police, and he is retiring.
1: And, and he, he apparently
2: worked in the Bronx, where so I think you have a family connection.
1: Yeah, my, my mom's from... South Bronx, and this this is a detective sergeant Michael Donahy. Dahini, Dahini, is he supposed to be Italian or Irish? I couldn't figure that out. I don't know. They, they, very ambiguous, <laughs> but uh, so he gets a watch, nice. But meanwhile, uh, unfortunately, uh, things are ominous in the hallway and. Uh, this this yeah, notably this uh, Genesis song, tonight tonight tonight, is playing, to, and that's going to be important in you know throughout the episode and I think it's I think it's a pretty interesting choice and one that I wouldn't think would work but does, but uh this person wearing uh red shoes picks up the the little girl's ball, and you just see her looking up at him and it's like oh no. Oh no. And then just, just like that, you just, we go back to Hawaii to Magnum PI and you're kind of like, Ooh, that didn't give me, that was, there's something, some bad shit happened there obviously, but yeah, uh, it kind of sets it up without laying it out. You know, like it, it, it sort of like sets the tension in motion for the episode where you're kind of like, okay, what happened with that? What the hell's going on? Kind of, you kind of can figure it out pretty easily uh, based on the way the rest of the episode goes, but it's like, it's done artfully enough that you still have some tension about it I think which is kind of interesting even though I, I knew what I mean I knew what was happening but I was still like Ugh. it's it's a rough episode guys it's it's pretty gritty
2: mm-hmm.
1: and of course you know goofball magnum is trying, What's he up to he's you know doing something that takes on greater significance later but at the time it was just magnum goofing off he's got he's got his little camera
2: video camera video
1: camera and he's taping himself talking to the camera about, like, hey, I'm Magnum. I'm a private detective. Here's what that means. And you, know, and you don't know what he's doing. You're like, what, what kind of fucking thing you see, is he He says
2: he's like for some kind of documentary. Yeah,
1: documentary. He's getting into, like, some sort of, like, Netflix true crime deal probably. That's what I guess, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, they're just doing their normal thing. Uh, you know, so it's like we're going from the Bronx at Christmas to, you know, evergreen Hawaii, back to what we're used to. And he gets offered by his friend, his friend, Rick, Rick, an opportunity to work on a missing person's case for a lot of money, like an unusual amount of money for basically what it will amount to two days of work. And he's suspicious, but he's like, okay. And they go to, and they're driving around, usual delightful Magnum antics, one minute he's, you know, uh playfully filming and waving at a, a group of girls in hot bikinis and then the next minute they pull up too far and then he's filming all these pigs in a truck so just we're all having a good time and uh they go into this bar sort of like club area to like interrogate or you know talk to this creepy manager who might have the this this missing person A guy named Geiger working for him. And the story that they've been told is that Geiger is this rich kid who ran off with the family, Gems, and they need to get him back, basically, you know, casual. Then, in the middle of all this, Frank Sinatra bursts in, slams this manager on the bar. There's a a, big fist fight. Everyone's fighting. Frank Sinatra's yelling things you don't understand, pulling a gun. (laughs) Is that how you became a fan of him? That's... (laughs) Music will take charge and slam, slam your head against a bar <laughs> counter. <laughs> well, how did you get into his music initially? Actually, I did. I did want to ask you that because Kevin is a huge Frank Sinatra fan. That's his favorite artist of all time. Yes.
2: Uh, I was. I became a huge fan of the uh, music and lyrics of uh, Cole Porter. And at some point, I bought a compilation CD of different artists' takes on Cole Porter songs. And one of those was uh, Mr. Sinatra doing uh, I Get a Kick Out of You. And his uh, take on that was so infectious, and witty, and delightful. I had to get more. And the next thing I know, I. As you know, we have all of his studio recordings that were legitimately released, a uh, huge number of bootleg recordings, huge number of concert recordings. We love him in this household.
1: We're big Francis Albert Sinatra fans in this household. Uh, what what do you think, you know, for people who might, you know, everyone's aware of Frank Sinatra, but like for people who might, not, you know, just kind of know him from like, you know, the songs everyone knows, What what's so special about him? How would you sum it up?
2: He's very emotional and he really uh, acts the lyrics of the songs that he sings.
1: And in this episode, he really acts like like it's intense. He's go- He's a good actor. He's a good actor. I mean, he's like obviously a great singer and, and, and what you're saying is true, but like he's also a good actor.
2: Yeah, I think you were surprised by how well he did in some of these scenes.
1: Yeah, I was like, shit. Because I was kind of like, you know, I was like, y- you know, you told me about this episode. And I was like, I'm sure it's going to be good. I'm sure it's gonna be good. But I was a little bit the thing that gave me a little bit, I'm like, you know, he's gonna be kind of older at this point. You know, is he gonna be like it's gonna be an intense role, so like what you know, is he gonna is he gonna bring like the energy or the intensity to it? And like he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely he
2: did. Brought his intensity to everything.
1: Yes. Um, so anyways, uh Magnum ends up teaming up with Sinatra. They they chase the, somebody allegedly who's supposed to be Geiger Uh, in through like some sort of like mail, you know, mailbox station. That guy ends up getting hit by a bus. You see, he has these red shoes and you're like, Oh shit. He was the guy with that little girl in that opening scene. And uh, you know, and, and but Magnum's like, what the fuck was that? Because he's like, the, no rich kid who like ran away with the family gems would like throw himself into traffic to get away from, like the worst thing that can happen is that he has to give the gems back. The parents aren't going to press charges. He's an adult. He can stay here in Hawaii. Like, you know, it, the, it, the whole thing didn't make any sense.
2: I will uh, note for the record that the scene in which this character dies, we don't actually see his death. We see him running. And then uh, a couple of quick cuts later, we see, Sinatra standing over the man's body after he's been hit by a car.
1: Oh Shit, I did not pick that up. Oh, no. That's why I earned the big bucks. Wow. Shit. Oh, I'm not a very astute observer there. That's a really good point. That will. Co- that's important later. Interesting. And I think the Tonight 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 song starts playing again. Yeah. And, you know, that song starts with kind of like a dee, 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 kind of like a kind of creepy sound. And you like, you know, you say, oh, something's bad's happening. You know, kind of a claustrophobic sort of grunt, you know, cr- like, ugh. I think it's a song about like addiction or something. So it's kind of, you know, something bad is happening.
2: Something bad is happening. Mm-hmm. So Magnum does some research, try to figure out what's going on. And he learns that. uh well, he learns that uh, these men were, two men were associated. He learns that Geiger, was the person who we thought was Geiger who was killed was actually another man named, I think, Dustin.
1: Yeah, Dustin Murray.
2: And he learns that Dustin Murray and Geiger were associated with an open murder case in the Bronx where Doheny used to work before he retired and that the victim in the case was Doheny's granddaughter who had been I think she was like five or six, and she had been raped, viciously beaten, and then dumped in an alley where she died.
1: Yeah, and so I was like, oh, shit.
2: So Magnum realizes that uh has come to Hawaii basically to hunt down and kill the people who killed his granddaughter.
1: Yeah, and it's like, ah, this is definitely more intense fare than your usual Magnum PI episode.
2: Some of the episodes are pretty dark.
1: That's true. But like what you this isn't necessarily what you people come to associate the show with.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, this one this one's dark. And like, you know, but it, it's it's I think it's it's pretty fucking well executed because the thing about being associated with being more of a light show and doing a dark episode is that if you fuck that up, it's bad. Like, you know, like no like because like you're, you, you're not it's like we're not having fun and this is not well written. So like there's more pressure when you're doing a darker episode because it's like, at least if you it's kind of a dumb light episode, no one's no one walks away offended. No one walks away angry. Maybe you're just like, oh, that was kind of fluff. But it's like, you know, it's like, I'll just have some cotton candy. I won't remember it later. It's not like super tasty. It's not nutritious. But like, I can, it's fun to eat. But you fuck up a dark episode or a dark topic like this and, you know, you look ridiculous.
2: Yeah, you look the fool.
1: You look the fool. But in this, they're they're. I guess, the, you know, the the, uh, wh- the kind of pinnacle of all this. Because basically you have Sinatra investigating these, these killers. And Magnum sort of investigating Sinatra and figuring out like, who is this guy? What is he doing? Why did he come here? And this all sort of culminates where uh, Sinatra is wandering around the sleazy areas of uh, Honolulu. Uh, looking for Geiger. And then Magnum is looking for him. And then Paige, who's like the the cop in town, Magnum's contact, mm-hmm. sort of love hate relationship, is walking around trying to find Magnum. So it's like all of this is happening. And then you know the you know the Genesis song is playing, so you know things are things are going to get a little crazy.
2: Magnum knows that if he doesn't find uh, Sinatra or Tahini, that uh, Sinatra is going to kill this this uh, person. Going to kill Geiger.
1: And like you don't like you like. <laughs> You don't like Genesis, but what what worked for this this kind of climactic song choice usage? It was
2: very effective. What you were going crazy about it?
1: I thought it was great. It was kind of a dark sound, and it just it, I love the way they interspersed it throughout the episode. And so, like you know, you come to associate this song with like you know, watch out basically. And then you're seeing it kind of play through, and like the it's it's automatically building up the tension, which I I really in a very effective way I thought. And, and yeah, like, it's like, you, you can, you kind of, you kind of know, like the, like, you kind of know, okay, this guy's avenging his granddaughter, you know, cop avenging relative who was murdered sort of thing, you know, like you've seen it before, but it's also, it just feels like everything's like kind of very, everything's very spare, everything's very, we're just going to get down to this, basically.
2: And it was, the acting was great, and I think. One thing that especially impressed you was that the ending went somewhere you did not expect it to go. Can you yes. describe the climactic yes. moments of the episode? I was
1: so happy. I was like, oh, okay. So the dumb version of this episode, the stupid version, uh, I'll, 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 here's what happens. Uh, so Magnum's running. He's got to stop Doheny from murdering this guy, even though he has a justified you know, need to do that. Sorry if you've been hearing groaning in the background while we've been talking. Our dog is being super needy, so we're going to let her in the studio and hope that she doesn't jingle jangle too much. (laughs) She just sat down. (laughs) Just sit there. There you go. That's perfect. This is the dog. Now Now she's sitting in a rocking chair in the corner like a good dog, and she'll hopefully just sit there and stop. Meddling in our production. <laughs> so so, Magnum chases Doheny and Geiger up to this rooftop. Doheny is beating up Geiger and telling him what a piece of shit he is. Geiger's being, you know, like, oh, you know, if you bring me back to the States, my parents will hire attorneys and they'll get me off da, 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 da. Like, you know, de- definitely what not to say. <laughs> and Magnum's running. He's trying to stop. Doheny and then Doheny just, you know, uh, Geiger flashes a knife at him. He knocks that out of his hand very easily and it falls off the roof. And then he just shoves Geiger off the roof and he screams and he dies.
2: Magnum sees all of this.
1: Magnum sees all of this. And then the cops come and Magnum's just like.
2: Magnum is like, looks at Sinatra and you see Magnum thinking about what he should say.
1: Because like Magnum is not number one on the police's like christmas gift list but he's you know you know he's not a gritty hard-boiled character he's not you know he's like like, he's not like a vigilante you know but you know he just tells him well the guy flashed a knife and then the hawaiian cops basically tell sinatra to get the fuck out off the island and and so what i was saying about the bad version of this i thought it was gonna be some dumb bullshit where Magnum was going to run up and be like, stop, like, if you kill him, Doheny, you're no better than him. And it's like, no, that's not true. I'm not saying it's good to kill people or do vigilante justice, but I, I just hate that kind of basic bullshit kind of thing. And also, no, murdering a child murderer is not, it's not <laughs> worse than murdering a child or even equal to it. It's it's certainly much more understandable when this is the the loved one of of a of a child victim, so I I was I was conv- I'm like oh it's gonna be this bullshit 80s lesson, you know that's not very thought out and doesn't really fit with any of you know doesn't really fit with any of the character motivations, and then no and then I just see this guy get pushed off the roof and I was like fuck yes, so, bravo Magnum PI, <laughs> <laughs> you sated my bloodlust. <laughs> Did you think that the first time you watched it?
2: Yeah, I, I expected them to take the easy way out.
1: Yeah, like this kind of just like lesson of like, you know what, Magnum, you really saved me for making a mess of my life kind of bullshit. When we all know that most people in that situation would push that guy off the roof. Right. If they were, you know, if they knew he killed the kid, confessed to killing the kid, all the evidence point to him killing the kid. And then, you know, he's being a, you know, fucking brat about it too, you know.
2: Do you think he pushed? He pushed Dustin yes. in front of the car. Oh
1: yes, that's obviously the implication. He killed these two sons of bitches, and you know, good, great. <laughs> uh, it was, it was like, it was a hit. You know, he was coming back to murder these guys because you know, he he didn't. He just, you know, they killed his grandkid. You know, and his like wife, his, his his daughter rather is like in the hospital, like in the mental hospital because of you know what happened, and it's just you know. So it was dang. And so it ends very poignantly. Uh, how, why' don't you why don't you describe that, Kevin Because you were very affected by this scene.
2: It ends with interspersing Sinatra going to visit Laura's grave with Magnum completing the the video he has been filming. And as he completes it, we learn what it really is. It's not for a documentary it is for a class presentation that some young relative of his is doing, some little boy of his is doing. And so I think we realize at that point that Magnum has been thinking of this little boy all throughout the episode. And so that probably helps explain why he chose to let Dahini get away with it.
1: It was like his nephew or something, right? Yeah.
2: And then meanwhile Dahini is visiting Laura's grave in New York and we see him carrying a box there very he's, try- he's a strong man and he's trying not to cry he opens, he makes the sign of the, the cross he opens, up, he opens up the box and it contains a Hawaiian lei which he very carefully almost lovingly drapes over the stone and he buries his face in his hands. Uh, the emotion can't be held back at this point, and he's very devastated. And he chokes out the words, "We got them."
1: It's so good. It's like I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, they they really they really pulled it off. I don't know. I almost feel like when we talk about it it sounds kind of basic, right? But like the the the, the, cul- the culmination of it all just was like very affecting and very very skillfully told. So, heavy stuff from Magnum PI in this episode. What what else what else do you think people should know going into this one? Like what like Do you know anything about the behind the scenes of like how they got Sinatra or anything like that?
2: Uh, My understanding that Sinatra was a fan of the show and he said, if you ever have a script that you think I'd be good for, let me know. I'd love to do it. And so they immediately went and wrote up a script for it.
1: That's awesome. I heard they gave him a few options.
2: I hadn't heard that before, so that's interesting.
1: That, I got that from the Mania website
2: okay, maybe true I
1: don't know I mean maybe not
2: uh Sinatra was very ill at the time it was filmed I think he he was uh needing stomach surgery or something is that is that correct
1: this says, uh there, there was there, you know they like basically there were potential for him to even come back to do other episodes but didn't happen
2: uh magnum only lasted another year after this and right. I think it was a short season yeah. So I'm, I'm curious throughout uh, the history of this podcast and certainly before the podcast, we've watched a number of uh, mystery programs and you listen to a lot of music. So what singers do you feel would be best to appear on what mystery programs?
1: Oh, shit. Like. Mm- Trying to
2: end this on an up note here. Yeah,
1: I've gotta, gotta, yeah, gotta pull this back up.
2: We opened it with that killer Stalin material. Yeah, that was
1: just iconic. That was delightful. That's everyone. No one will be mad. <laughs> everyone will be delighted.
2: Wouldn't offend anybody.
1: No, of course not. That's not what we do here.
2: It was all in the highest taste possible. <laughs> and we kind of bring things down by talking about the tragic death of a child. Yeah, And now...
1: We're rising out of the
2: ashes. Time for some fun. <laughs> They're <our patented> nonsense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why everyone keeps coming back. And by everyone, I mean all five listeners. Um, so, what singer would I put in what mystery show? Okay, uh, no, let me think about this.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
1: Uh, fuck, I don't even know. Like, okay, in any mystery show in all time. And it has to be a TV show.
2: Open it up as wide. Just D- get donut. nuts, get yeah. nuts, right? Go nuts. Just
1: go fucking nuts. Why not?
2: Uh, And uh, I'll mention certainly other singers have appeared on mystery shows. Johnny Cash was great on an episode of Columbo.
1: Yeah, I, I've, 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 I think I've seen that one. The first thing that came to mind Uh-oh. is probably a bad idea on a number of levels, but I I'm going to throw it out there cuz maybe maybe it'll say something about how my mind works. I was thinking wouldn't it be funny if uh spit it out. If uh somehow the like the Fleetwood Mac guest starred on uh, a <laughs> murder she wrote. <laughs> And like one of them ended up dead because there was like all these love conflicts and it's like who killed who, she's got to figure it out, or maybe somebody's trying to kill one like one of them and it's like they all, because they have a you know a history of everyone sleeping with each other and you know breaking up and having it be a shit show. Death tango in the night. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the first one that popped into my head, and then I couldn't really stop thinking about it, and I just sort of threw it out there. You're
2: obsessed with Fleetwood Mac. Love Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac and Stalin. Those are your North Stars. That's obviously.
1: How about yourself?
2: Uh, hmm.
1: I mean Taylor Swift. I'll say this: Taylor Swift. Uh, she named her cat Olivia after Olivia Benson. That's you. Gotta let Taylor Swift on. Like, wh- why hasn't that even happened yet? Maybe it has. I Pitch don't know.
2: Pitch me. Pitch me. Taylor Taylor
1: Swift. No, she's got to be a detective. You got to let her be a detective. Maybe she's like a loan from like, like like another, you know, like another state. She's FBI. She comes in, she works with Olivia. They do some cool shit and then she bounces. I think you got to let, you don't, you don't want to make her like a pop star who's being stalked. Like that's just, you got to put her in a position of power. She's making the power move. She's re-recording her albums. Got to, got to give her that. That's what I would say.
2: Do we like her? Or, like, does she she do something in the episode where she's, like, extra tough, has an extra hard edge? Does she make some more morally compromised decision?
1: uh, She can't be, she just can't be an ace because that's that's no fun. You can't, like, oh, we're both perfect, you know, because Olivia Benson's already perfect, right, in the show. So I, I would say maybe she comes in and has to learn some stuff a little bit you know or you could Uh-oh. you could do it like oh you could you could give her like a sinatra role right what if she's trying to avenge somebody she used to be an fbi agent but she quit because like she got too emotionally compromised And she's been doing stuff and olivia benson tries to talk her out of it and then she just fucking kills whoever she needs to kill and olivia benson's like i guess i didn't see that And at the end, Olivia Benson pulls her aside and says, "We are never, ever, ever getting back together." <laughs> That's a Taylor Swift song. Anyways, I that would be. That would be a good that would be a good modern one, right? Because she's a fan of that show. That show's ridiculous in and of itself. Just get nuts. Why not do it? Who fucking cares? I'd be, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be like sneaking cocaine into that writer's room being like, let's think big with this. (laughs) Let's go nuts. (laughs) Let's get Taylor Swift here right now.
2: Now you are known far and wide as being a huge Beatles fan.
1: Okay. That made me sound like a sad boomer.
2: Well. I mean, yeah. but the facts speak for themselves. Yeah, that's fair. It's. Nineteen seventy seven. Beatles have broken up. All four of them are alive in the <laughs> prime of their careers. Okay. <laughs> Each one wants to go on an American mystery program. And
1: I have to I have to book it all.
2: <laughs> yes. lennon I'm
1: already getting fucking stressed out. Okay, what year is it? Nineteen seven I, I I need they, they, I need parameters. What mystery shows are on at that time? That's what
2: I'm going to look at. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a contemporary show. You have a time machine. Okay,
1: okay. I have a time machine. But can... it is a 1970s. 1970... Magical mystery tour of mystery <clears throat> shows. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me just look up a mystery. I need a list because I otherwise I'm not going to remember stuff.
2: I think Ringo has to go on some really hacky, yeah. schlocky show. Scooby-Doo? like Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo? Vegas?
1: Okay. I don't even know what that is.
2: Okay, what what is <laughs> <At least> mine
1: at <laughs> brand name recognition.
2: Okay, what does he do on Scooby-Doo?
1: He's just, he's just there. He's just doing one of those, like, you know, th- w- like when they meet, like, Laurel and Hardy and, and three stages. So
2: he's playing himself, or is it just so much? Yeah, somewhat... he's
1: just, I'm Ringo, I'm here, uh, oh no, there's a haunted uh, drum factory that I need to get my drums out of, and, you know, everyone fucks around, and it's the, the ghost of the little drummer boy, you know, maybe, maybe make it a Christmas thing, and then... So it
2: has a religious angle.
1: Yeah. So does it
2: take place during the nativity... <laughs>
1: I, I did too many drugs before mentioning this.
2: <laughs> so then are the others, the three wise men?
1: <laughs> no, they're not in it. They want to no part of it.
2: Willie Nelson on the wire. I think that would have worked.
1: Willie Nelson on the wire? Yeah. I could totally see that. What would he what would he be doing?
2: Uh he's kind of a down on the his luck father who uh, whose kids don't respect him and he's trying to get off drugs but he's living on the streets and he somehow gets involved in something he shouldn't be involved in and the episode ends with his death.
1: Oh, I love that. Why didn't they do that? Okay. Paul McCartney your
2: Scooby Doo stuff. Paul
1: Paul McCartney and uh, and Paul and Linda McCartney famously in love power couple wings. They got to be on heart to heart, right? <laughs> They're also, I mean, like right? It's like they could all just be like basking in the glow of like, look how in love and wonderful we are, you know, like that. Do some dumb shit. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Do they
2: play themselves? Or do they play characters. If so,
1: they play like they play themselves, but with different names. Give them some dignity, but but they're basically playing themselves. Like in the hearts, they're like, oh, our good friends, you know.
2: Are they glorified walk-ons? Or are they integral to the plot?
1: No, they're integral to the plot They do like they, like they, it's, What is the plot? It's like, the plot is basically Let's do a heart-to-heart episode But make it a double date The double date of mystery That's, oh, that's the tagline And they, uh, they, you know uh, Someone, hey, you know we You own the record label That, you know, heart, heart records And someone's been trying to sabotage our concerts And there's been, they've been sending threatening notes to us So we need to get on Threatening this. notes I know, yeah
2: <laughs> You're oh, always that's, funny that
1: could be the title <laughs> see this one right that this yeah this one can write itself honestly couldn't you see that I could, I could see that. I can literally see I could like literally see it in my mind I'm like hallucinating this right now Jesus next Hmm. I had one uh, couldn't you kind of see George Harrison on the rockford files playing like kind of like because it's all, like, beach hobos, right? Mm-hmm. He's, like, some local guy who's, like, strumming a guitar in the background. He's not He's not super into the, the plot. Maybe he has a couple of funny moments, but I I, I think he's – I think that would be him. Okay. What would you say? Give me John. That's hard. I'm going to think about this. I think, he, I, I think with John you could do – I think you could do Columbo. I think you could give him, like, a Columbo villain. You know, and I think you, but you could also potentially do a, uh, what was the one
2: I had? You
1: could do a Kojak villain, too, I think.
2: Yeah, I think I'd go with Kojak. Uh,
1: Yeah, right, kind of New York City, I think. That's the, yeah, because Columbo's California. Give him, him, he's more of a New York City guy. Give him Kojak. Kojak villain. He's doing something bad. I don't know what exactly he's doing, but it's not good. And, and you know, he, back and forth. Back and forth with Kojak, very sinister. Try to get that sinister energy. He had a lot of anger issues, so maybe play that up. But yeah, that would be that would be pretty good.
2: You know, I was thinking uh, Elvis famously Ooh. went to Nixon uh-huh. asking for credentials as a drug agent because Elvis wanted to. Elvis felt there was a lot of drugs <laughs> being. Uh, sold and distributed rock concerts. And he felt that he could do some undercover work as a performer, perhaps bust up these drug rings, which is absurd on a number of levels that are too many to go into in our limited time here. But doesn't that sound like a great premise for a TV series?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: No, not
1: at all. Okay. Is it played for laughs or is it uh, totally serious?
2: Totally serious about Elvis. (laughs) going over to grind to help the kids bust up drug rings with his karate moves and inspire a country to just say no.
1: Sounds like a it sounds like a good premise for like a Cohen brothers film or something.
2: Ellis was well known for his straight edge lifestyle.
1: Didn't die in any unfortunate circumstances due to drug use or anything. No. Not at all. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Don't even ask. You don't have to worry about that one. <laughs> That's awful. Jesus, Wait, was he was he really serious about that?
2: Who knows what was going through his drug-addled mind at that point?
1: That's fair. <sighs> so we did. We did our. We did our. What, pretty much all of our singers, I guess. Is there anyone else we can we can slot into something?
2: Uh, well, Miss Rodrigo.
1: Oh, Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know what's like a good modern day mystery. We already did SVU. Taylor got Taylor has to get first dibs of that. I mean, you got you already got Selena Gomez on a uh, on only Give Murders her in the building. New. Yeah. So should Olivia Rodrigo just get her own mystery show? Who does she play? She she could be. I don't know, what are the big mysteries of the day? And her songs are, you know, her her debut album, Sour, was like a lot about like the interrelationship dramas. I think, you know, do you want to make her a pop star who's like investigating bad shit in the in the industry? Or do you want to make her just an average gal who's just, you know...
2: A high school sleuth.
1: Sleuthing, yeah. Some, everyone's got a sleuth sometime in high school.
2: Kind of like a Nancy Drew situation?
1: Yeah, I I support it. I, I like her and I think that would be... Adele could do some fun, like, English series, I feel like, but, like, limited. Just, you know. She's kind of like a, an average mom out in the country of England, and she's she's figuring some shit out about some sinister goings-on. I could see that.
2: What about Furland Husky?
1: The f- <laughs> Who? That? Is that Lanny's friend? <laughs> Husky? No, she doesn't have any friend do- friends that are dogs. She's literally sitting in the corner in a rocking chair looking at us. It's bizarre. But do continue. Who's she's like a...
2: Whistler's mother over there. Yeah, she's
1: looking... <laughs> she's looking at you with side eye. She knows what you said. You should apologize.
2: I'm very sorry, Lanny, to compare you to a masterpiece of art.
1: Of an old woman? She's a spring chicken, and you know it.
2: Don't call her a chicken.
1: Oh, you're scared of chickens. <laughs> Forgot
2: your bizarre fear. <laughs> I just wanted to toss out a name you wouldn't know that sounded funny. Who is it? So the a, a country singer.
1: I mean, we I mean, like Angela Lansbury was a was a was a you know, theater star. So it was uh, Jerry Orbach and and even the guy who played Barbell on SVU. He was nope. in, he was in Company.
2: Love Sondheim. R.I.P. So now we work so hard to bring things up, and then we end by talking about the tragic death of America's greatest composer. Well, it, it's hard bring to... Bring us back up again. It's hard to focus
1: on this dog rooting... What mystery show would you slot Lanny into just to give her something to do?
2: Have we discussed on Mystery to Me a program called The Littlest Hobo?
1: People need to know what the... Yes, we, I don't think we've done an episode, but people need to know what The Littlest Hobo is.
2: The, the Littlest Hobo is uh, the tragic tale of a dog that is unable to form lasting emotional connections with others. So it just constantly wanders around. People <laughs> fall in love with it, and then it breaks their heart because it moves on somewhere else. And then every episode ends with happy people saying, oh, dog, we love you. Come over here. And the dog kind of looks at them, and then kind of just shakes his head and turns and trots off.
1: This is why we're bringing the episode down, because we know our dog doesn't love us. <laughs> Lanny is has a wandering heart and a wandering spirit, and if she could just go from town to town rescuing people, solving mysteries, and uh, inspiring locals, you know, she would do that. You, you can't really do that as a dog in a safe way, especially when you're a, a pit bull, but she doesn't <laughs> seem to understand that or appreciate our views on the matter. Yeah, she could do a Littlest Hobo reboot. I think, you know, the, the show, if we wanted to be really a mystery show, you'd have to really focus on more of the mystery kind of crime situations as opposed to uh, just, you know, run of the mill. Oh, there's a forest fire. Oh, your kid needs medicine. Whatever. She doesn't deal with that shit. This is not, that's not her job. She does the mysteries.
2: So would you pitch Lanny as this generation's McGruff?
1: Yeah. No, I, I would pitch her as this generation's Littlest Hobo because... That's her whole aesthetic. That's her whole life. Honestly, pit bulls could probably use some sort of PR boost at this point. So, you know, give that to her. She can She can carry that. You know, don't let any other animals on the set or there will be uh, consequences. But, you know, uh, she, she ne- she'll she never bite a human.
2: <laughs> Didn't she nearly tell my thumb off this summer? That
1: wasn't her fault. <laughs> <laughs> and also, that that's unconfirmed. <laughs> Lanny got into a fight with another dog and I'm pretty sure it was the other dog that, that actually got I you. Nearly
2: know. tore my thumb off.
1: Yes. <laughs> Lanny was blameless in the affair.
2: You always take Lanny's side in these things. Yeah, I
1: gotta. I, someone's gotta. She's a good dog. She's just she's she she's got some issues. <laughs> she's a great dog though. Aw, now she's looking all sad on her chair.
2: We're just all over the place. <laughs>
1: are we ready for my five star final or is there anything else we wanted to talk about hit us i'm 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 hitting us i would say just simply that i'm very glad that we watched this episode of magnum pi tonight tonight tonight
2: thanks for listening this week i'd like to give a special thanks to kevin t greenley who's no relation to me He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery2me, That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
2: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mysterytome podcast at gmail.com.
1: We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out 2 as T-O.
2: Thanks Thanks so much much for
1: listening. listening.